Hi, and welcome to the 39th episode of the iPhone Life podcast. I'm Donna Cleveland, Editor-in-Chief of iPhone Life magazine. And I'm Sarah Kingsbury, Senior Web Editor of iPhoneLife.com. Each episode, we bring you the best apps, great gear, and current events in the iOS world. This week, we'll be talking with CrossFit coach Tanel Pretorius about how we can use our technology to help us stay fit. And uh, I can say firsthand, she's a great person to talk to because she happens to be my fitness coach. And Sarah, you've worked with her a little bit too. I have, both as an editor and as a exerciser. <laughs> I don't know what word I really want there. And she really knows her stuff. Yeah, so you'll definitely want to tune in for that. And as we do every episode, we'll start by sharing our favorite iPhone tip of the week with you. Two years ago, Sarah here had the idea that it would be cool to send our readers a tip each day, teaching them how to do something new with their iDevices. And now two years later, she and our feature writer, Connor Carey, are the driving forces behind our tip of the day newsletter. And that is how we help our 70,000 subscribers master their iPhones and iPads in just one minute each day. So to sign up, go to iphonelife.com slash daily tips. And Sarah's going to tell us what her favorite tip is. So my favorite tip this week is um, it's how to let your favorite contacts call you when Do Not Disturb is on. Clearly, when you turn on Do Not Disturb, it's because you don't want to be called. Mm -hmm. But there might be some people who you would like to get through anyway or at least be able to contact you in case of an emergency. And so it is possible to designate... Uh, certain people to be able to call you even when Do Not Disturb is on. And they have to be in your favorites. If it's, if it's a favorite mm-hmm. contact, then uh, you can have them call you. So what you do is you open the Settings app, and you tap Do Not Disturb, and then you select Allow Calls From, and then you choose Favorites. And that cool. way nobody can call you except for people who are on that special list. And I know it's not a complicated concept, but it took me a little while to understand actually what Do Not Disturb does. It, you see missed calls, right? It just doesn't, you don't hear them? Right. Your calls come through. I mean, you'll see that you missed the call and you'll see that you got a voicemail and you'll see that you got a message. And you can, when you're using Do Not Disturb, when you're setting it up, you can choose, you know, whether you want calls to come through unless your phone's locked or mm. you know if you want people to be able to be able to call you three times in a row or something like that and then the call will go through so there's you can kind of set some parameters and you can schedule right. it to happen every day at a certain time but you can also turn it on and off manually or using Siri so there's a lot of ways you can make it work for you and and fit whatever situation you're in that requires do not disturb Cool. Yeah, I should use that more. I use airplane mode a lot, but that's like, you know, no one can reach you that way. Whereas do not disturb, you you can still see. Right. And what's also you in. can't use the internet or yeah. your cell service if if you have airplane mode on and maybe you don't want to be disturbed, <laughs> but that doesn't mean you want to be like isolated from the world. Yeah. So if you've been wondering what Do Not Disturb is all about, now you know, and you also have a way that you can make it, you can tailor it so it's actually useful for you. And I just remembered I should turn Do Not Disturb (laughs) on while we film this, I mean, not film, record this podcast. Yeah, good idea. Um, So to sign up for our daily tips, go to iphonelife.com slash daily tips. And now we're going to talk to you about the news this week. We're still leading up to the September iPhone announcement, which we're excited about. And uh, this episode, we have an Apple Watch rumor that we've been hearing. 
Sarah, what have you heard? So the rumor is that the Apple Watch 2 won't have cellular connectivity. Right, which this is an interesting one because we weren't necessarily expecting that anyway, but it's it's good to know that to definitely not expect it. I mean, right. to me, that seems like a pretty big leap in technology. I know some Android smartwatches have it. Yeah, but I like, heard that that is Apple's eventual goal to have right. that option, but that it just wasn't ready for this particular iteration of the Apple Watch. Mm-hmm. Um, but that this this upcoming Apple Watch will have GPS, which is far more important to me than a cellular connection. Yeah, I mean, the cellular connection seems cool in that you wouldn't need to have your phone in order to make calls and all that, but um, I just can't really imagine wanting to make calls on my phone. Even when it's te- like within distance of my phone, I can't do that now, and I never do, because right. it's like your call is public for everyone to hear, and I mean, I guess unless you have wireless headphones on. I don't know. It's just... I feel like I'm going to want to have my iPhone with me anyway. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't mind being able to go on a run by myself without my phone. I usually do bring it with me. Um, yeah. But, you know, there have there has actually been a time or two where I needed to call someone to come get me. Um, mm. But it's not like I go running in deserted places. I feel like I could have gotten help anyway. And another... I guess another thing, it could be hand, handy in that situation, like for emergencies, but also that you can use it to connect to the internet. So you can like get your mail and your emails and uh, go I on never Safari check my mail like on, like on an Apple Watch. I mean, I the know. screen is so small. Yeah, it seems pretty limited in how, how useful that and would be. I, I don't think it would be worth it to me, even if it were available, to pay the $10 a month or whatever it would end up costing. Yeah. You know, because I don't feel like I would use it enough. Yeah, like I don't have cellular on my iPad. Like I kind of just want to pay that monthly fee for my phone. Right. Now, I feel like I've encountered Android watches. They didn't have to sign up for an extra cellular connection, that there was some connection with the SIM card in their phone, but they were able to use it separately. And I really should have researched that before I started talking (laughs) about this on the podcast because I could be completely wrong. We can look into that more. But basically, it's just good to know what what like most likely to expect um, apparently Apple had talked to carriers in the U.S. and Europe to try to arrange to have cellular connectivity, but that it was just going to take too much battery. Right. And, you know, already the Apple Watch barely lasts through through the day. Right, so. and especially if you do any kind of serious workout. I mean, forget mm-hmm. it. It the, just the battery goes. Yeah, so GPS will be cool um, if, they, if that rumor is true, that we will have GPS for fitness tracking and also right. for navigation. I mean, I think... It would at least provide better navigation, if not letting you use just your phone for navigation without being tethered to your iPhone. Right, and I really would like that for my exercising. I mean, it kind of fits in well with the theme of the day. Yeah, it does, because Sarah's a runner, unlike me. I try to run. That's not the same thing as being good at running. (laughs) So the other news story that we uh, have for you this week is about Apple acquiring Glimpse, which is a health startup that is aiming to create universal electronic health records. This would, I mean, this seems like it could be a pretty revolutionary thing to have if, it, if Apple does end up making it so that we have access to all of our records from any physician you've seen. Because right now, right. I mean, I don't have any idea. Yeah, I mean, I kind of 
I have tried when I've moved from one part of the country to another and switched from one clinic to another to make sure my health records follow me. Uh-huh. But I'm not convinced that anybody has complete records. And then there's, you know, my dental records are over at my dentist and my eye records are over at my eye doctors. And, it, you know, I've had hospital stays at various places. It'd be great if they were all yeah. in one place and that if I could see them and if I could... I mean, I feel like these days, even though, you know, they were required to have access to our health records, it seems like you almost have to beg mm-hmm. and jump through hoops to get access to them. Whereas yeah, it'd be really great to being... be the one who are like, these are my health records and here I'm letting you, my doctor, have access to them instead of the other way around. Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, I was speaking to a therapist recently who was saying that a lot of people will come and see a therapist and be diagnosed with something and they don't even know. Right. Like they won't even be necessarily informed of that. And that's just one example of how having, having like knowing really what your health records are would be. Well, I mean, it's interesting because I feel like doctors used to put a lot of things in your health records that they didn't expect you to ever see or even want you to see. Mm-hmm. And that was an interesting experience for me when I actually had a midwife who was like, do you know what are in your health records from the last <laughs> time you had a child? And showed me things that my doctor had written. It was very interesting. Really? Yeah. So it it could it could really open things up, I think, and just make things better. Yeah. As long as it's all very encrypted, which Glimpse <laughs> says it is. Yeah. The the CEO of Glimpse, Anil Sethi, he put on LinkedIn about why he was inspired to create this, and I thought it was just interesting, so I'll just read what he said. He also was a systems engineer at Apple in the 80s. So he says, as a consumer of healthcare, I leave behind a breadcrumb trail of medical info wherever I've been, but... I'm unable to easily access or share my own data. And he goes on to say how there's no single electronic health record that all physicians use. Worse, there isn't even a common file format across a thousand plus systems. So yeah, it definitely seems like a problem that needs a solution. So we'll definitely be keeping an eye on this. And so before we get into our main theme, I also want to take a minute to talk to you about our iPhone Life Insider program, which is our premium subscription. We've already told you about daily tips, and this is just taking it to the next level. And with our iPhone Life Insider subscription, we give you a one-minute video tip every day that goes along with the written tip, and so you can have a visual walkthrough of the tip. Also, we release in-depth video tutorials. Uh, Our latest was the Siri guide. Coming up, we'll be releasing the iOS 10 guide just as iOS 10 becomes available, so we'll help you learn how to use all the new features. You also get a digital subscription to iPhone Life Magazine, access to our full archive, and you can ask Sarah any of your iOS-related questions. And this week, Sarah has a question from an insider that she's gonna tell us about. So uh, this reader wants, uh, has a problem with his iPad Pro. Um, they write, I have an iPad Pro 9-inch with the keyboard, and because I am such a bad speller, I would like to dictate. But when the keyboard is connected, I cannot figure out how to dictate without a mic button. Am I missing a key combination or something that will allow me to dictate? Um, you're not missing anything. (laughs) Uh, Apple, for some reason, did not put a dictation key on the smart keyboard, which is really annoying so there's a few workarounds um you can try typing an emoji and then uh deleting it and then you should be able to tap the abc (laughs) key 
to, uh, or the one, two, three key to bring up um, the proper keyboard and then you can tap the mic key, which seems really silly. Or you can slightly lift your iPad to briefly disconnect it um, to bring up the on-screen keyboard, tap the mic key and start dictating. And then you, while you're dictating, you can lower the iPad down and continue dictating. Which for me would be terrible because mine is actually a snap out keyboard case. So it's also ridiculous. <laughs> um, probably the way I would end up doing it. I mean, if you're trying to dictate in a document, that's one thing, but you can use Siri to dictate yeah. things. You can press the home button or, you know, like the, I don't think the larger key, uh, iPad Pros have the Hey Siri, but you can use the home button to activate Siri. And I just activated Siri myself. Mm-hmm. Or you, and on the smaller iPad Pro, you can say, Hey Siri. And you can uh, then say, you know, write this note or email so-and-so and and then dictate the text that way. Mm -hmm. So you can use Siri to do dictation as well. And I'd probably end up doing that because those other things just would really annoy me every single time I did them. I know, me too. I'm sorry, it's such an imperfect solution. I wish that there was just some keyboard shortcut. And if there is, and I don't know and didn't find it in all of my research please email us at podcasts at iphonelife.com and yes. let me know, and I will definitely share it with this insider. So, yeah, if, if, I, if there's something I haven't figured out about this, please let me know because I feel really bad for this reader who just wants to dictate things. Yeah, and speaking of, you know, Apple complaints, things that Apple could do better, we have a couple of complaints and learning this week. Um, Mine's actually learning. Let's start with a complaint, Sarah. <laughs> All right. Well, I recently um, bought this a season of a television show I've been watching uh, from iTunes, and so I've been watching it in the videos app, which I'd never really used before. And yeah, what even is that? <laughs> it's just it's just called videos, and when you buy videos from iTunes, I guess that's the app you. This, <laughs> this is the first time I usually. I guess I don't really buy videos often, but when I do, I usually buy them from Amazon. So this was my first experience. Yeah, I know. I'm but a and I think person. the only reason I bought it from iTunes was because I felt like I should have the experience so I could talk about it, and then I didn't <laughs> like it. So yeah, the videos app when you're trying to navigate through a show, like if you want to rewind or fast forward, there's no like tap this button and it goes back ten seconds. Um, right. And there's no, and you clearly can't do that for the, um, to fast forward either. Uh, and then, you know, you can hold your finger on the fast forward or rewind button, but if you just tap it, it will sometimes just skip to the next episode. And then, you know, you can scrub along the top thing and depending on how far up or down your screen, you're scrubbing, like how close to the, the little line that indicates where it is in the show, Uh it can, it'll scrub faster or slower but then you can like run out of space if you're like doing like the fine scrubbing where you're just going like second by second. Yeah. And so it's just, you know, the Amazon video app is the best at really navigating them. I mean, I'm not, I prefer Netflix for the content. Yeah. And that's it's certainly still way better than this videos app. But if you just want like an experience of like just really easily navigating through the show and and finding out all kinds of information about the actors and little facts about the s- filming and stuff. Mm-hmm. Amazon is like way ahead of everyone else. That's interesting to know. Yeah, I never use the videos app. And actually with iOS 10, that's one of the apps you can now delete off your phone if you want to. Uh, you don't have to keep all of Apple's 
built-in apps. There are a few that are like essential to using your iPhone, so you can't like the app store. Mm-hmm. But uh, I mean, maybe maybe there's a good reason to delete that one. <laughs> it just should be improved. It's you know, considering how many advances all the other video watching apps have made, it's ridiculous. Yeah. And if you have Amazon Prime, I encourage you to check out Amazon videos because you can watch a lot of Amazon's content as part of your membership. And yeah, just for ease of, you know, scrubbing through, it's great. Of course, you can't um, use it on your Apple TV unless you do AirPlay, but uh, it's a really good app. What are some shows on Amazon that you like? You know, I haven't, I kind of broke up with Amazon for a while. And I'm, <laughs> it's been a while. I'm going to have, I, I'm going to have to get back together with Amazon because I've been missing Amazon Prime too much. But uh, I'm... Oh, more... you don't have Amazon Prime right now. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah, the videos so are part of Amazon Prime. Yeah. I remember so... there being a series a little while ago I watched, but I'll, I'll... If I remember it, I'll have you put it in the blog post. But in general, it would be good to, You know, I have Prime, so I should be taking advantage of that. Right. Um, so my, my learning this week is we've talked before about the whole conundrum of using recipe apps and how it's really annoying if when you're following a recipe, your phone locks up and then you have to like with food on your hands, open it up. So I, I realized that some recipe apps actually have in their settings, uh, uh, the ability to disable auto lock just for that app, Nice. which is nice. Cause sometimes like I'll put on auto lock. I'll, I'll turn off my auto lock to never so so that while I can while I'm cooking um, I don't have that issue but then I'll forget to turn it back and I'll burn through my battery just having my phone sitting on the counter right like with the screen lit all the time so um, one thing to check when you download a recipe app is to go in to settings down to that app and see if there's the option disable auto lock and you can just turn that on there. Right. And I don't think it's just recipe apps. I feel Yeah. I it's funny for other apps that might have that I same. I suspect again like another thing I should have researched before I mentioned <laughs> this, but I suspect that you can choose options like that on probably Kindle and maybe some mm. possibly Netflix, but just, you know, generally apps where you would be leaving the screen on. on. And using it, but not necessarily interacting with the screen. Mm-hmm. They those apps often have things, you know, the option to override auto lock. So it's definitely worth checking out on any app where that's a problem. Yeah, I like that being able to choose going, it on an app, basis. either in the settings within the app itself or in the settings app. If you go down to that app, it it'll you know it'll depend on the app where you'll find those things. Mm-hmm. And um, while we're not going to get into apps and gear this week because we, we get into quite a few recommendations when we talk to Tanel, um, I just did want to say I've been using Overcast. It's a podcast app, um, and I like it better than the regular Apple app, podcast app. Oh, Have nice. you tried it at all? No. It just it's nice. It has a nicer interface. I think it lets you um, skip back third by default 20 or 30 seconds instead of 15 which I like better and then it also gives you recommendations based on what you listen to which I like nice I do think you can change in the podcast app yeah how far the the skip is as I was saying it I realized it so really the the suggestion so far has been like the only standout difference besides just overall like liking the interface a little better well I mean that's important yeah um, and so before we talk to Snell, I want to share with you a message from our sponsor, Video Blocks. 
In a high definition world, low quality video production sticks out like a sore thumb. To improve video quality, you need access to high quality effects, clips, and shots. Videoblocks gives you access to unlimited downloads of stock footage and effects for just $149 a year. Visit videoblocks.com to learn more. Today, we're lucky to have CrossFit trainer and wellness consultant Tanel Pretorius with us to talk about how we can use our iPhones as tools to get in better shape and feel healthier. So welcome, Tanel. Thank you. So what are some ways we can use our mobile devices as fitness tools? Well, you can, first of all, just use it to access incredible mountain of fitness information. Um, it's, there's a lot of really good blogs out there that post workouts every day. And then besides that, you can track your calories, you can um, follow different apps or use different apps mm -hmm. that will give you different programs. Um, you can step count. There are a lot of different ways. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what are some of the ways you see iPhones and other mobile devices negatively affecting people's health? <laughs> so, so this is a big one for me. I'm really passionate about mobility, about posture, and it is really quite scary to see how the downward looking onto phones for hours every day mm -hmm. really affects people's postures. <laughs> Feeling myself like, don't like look at us too closely. sitting up straighter as Tanel is talking. I yeah. know. So, um, you know, for me, especially with your kids, I think you have to just become really, really strict with that. Their little spines are still developing. And, mm -hmm. you know, since teenagers, you know, they just live on their phone these day, phones these days. So just watch them and, you know, teach them and guide them to keep their head up, to keep the phone at eye height or use some sort of little device so that they don't have to always look at the phone screen. And just have some awareness of posture because it definitely will affect your posture. There will definitely be that forward weight of the head. You always see, often see when you look at someone's profile, the head slightly tilting forward. Um, that's a big strain on the back of the neck, um, mm. causing shortening in the muscles in the back of the head. Um, and then weakening in the front of the neck. So it really creates this imbalance in the upper body structure, which can cause pain and postural problems later in life. It's, it's really important to make sure that you maintain good posture while using your phone excessively. I definitely, this is making me want to work on this more because I definitely get headaches sometimes. Is that, mm -hmm. is that something that it can cause? That is definitely, yeah, it's definitely one of the causes or symptoms that you'll have from that. Um, as the head moves more and more forward away from the midline of the body, so you want your head to be sitting over your heart. And as it kind of shifts forward a little bit, the weight actually of the head increases. So it's as if the head is heavier with every inch that it moves forward over mm -hmm. time. So it's like a snowball effect, mm. you know, that gets worse and worse as you go. So it's really important, push the head back. Um, a good little thing to think about is as if you're pressing it into an imaginary car seat, pushing mm -hmm. back into that and just tucking the chin just slightly. You can just watch yourself in the mirror or why not even take a little video of yourself <laughs> with your phone or ask a friend. So you can just see what your alignment is. It's really obvious to see if the head is in line with that heart or if it's slightly in front of the body. Sarah, I feel like we should do that for each other later today. <laughs> I'm just feeling like a bad parent because I know my kids are on their phones probably right now. Yeah. <laughs> is this something that you find like natural at this point for yourself? To know? No, I feel like I I feel like I've 
developed much better awareness of it. Um, I'm lucky because I, I work in a gym and I'm in a gym all day. So I have the habit of putting a little yoga block against the wall and then squatting onto the little yoga block with my back against the wall and then mm. resting my elbows on my knees and then holding my phone at eye height. <laughs> so when I take little breaks between clients or classes and I have like, I want to go on Instagram or I want to go on my email, then I like to just rest in that position, which is really restful, but really good posture and good for my knees as well. So mm. I just like to hang out like that. And yeah, so I try, I do my yeah. best. That sounds more comfortable really than like standing and holding your phone up at the right angle, even though yeah. like, that's probably a good thing I mean, to learn to it's do. It's also, it doesn't have to be super high. It's not like you have to look up to your phone, but just mm-hmm. even just a couple of inches higher, like holding the phone even shoulder height and then just allowing your eyes to look down instead of the head to drop forward is, right. is a good adjustment. Yeah, you don't have to look like an idiot while <laughs> maintaining good posture. Good, I'm glad to know that. <laughs> So um, what should people look for in a fitness app? It really depends on what your goals are. Um, If we're looking at the general things, I would say I personally think that community aspect is really good. If you can find an app that offers you some community aspect, it really helps to Mm. uh, maintain motivation. And that way you can compare your results with other people. Um, I think a community aspect like Fitbit and, and most of the good good apps have some community aspect. So I think a community aspect is good. Something that you like. I mean, I think it's really important that the style of the layout um, suits you and what you like, because that's part of the joy of being able to use an app is that it's motivating, you know, because you like the aesthetics of it or it's set up in a way that it's fun and, and, you know, interactive. I think it's really important that you feel like you're engaging with the Mm -hmm. app and if you don't feel like it's hooking you in I would just say delete it off your phone you don't need to have two million apps on your phone and just replace it with something that you feel is more engaging do you have any examples of ones that you find fit these criteria yeah I mean um, there are quite a few apps that I like obviously I I spend most of my day in a gym so Mm -hmm. I do do traditional working out Um, I use apps myself only a little bit Um, I recommend them to my clients and I also because I have a lot of clients I get to see what they use and what works for them so I think that the Kyla sweat app is really cool Mm. Um, Kyla has become really really popular internationally she's an Australian personal trainer she has millions of followers and she has a really cool little program that is body weight or lightweight movements it's a hit so high intensity interval training and she has a nutritional plan as well with that and I think that the sweat app layout is is really cool I really like it and is that one that you it's kind of complementary to having a personal coach or is it more meant to like just be give you everything you need um I you know I would always say like I said before form mobility all that stuff's really important to me So maybe even just having a few sessions with a coach to make sure that when you do movements on your own, you're doing them correctly is always a good idea. Right. Um, So I always think that it's, it's good to check yourself or have yourself checked. But then once you know how to do the basic movements properly, then, you know, you're, you're free to go out on your own and work out on your own. And so she provides fantastic little routines and it's a 12 week program. 
and um, it advances as the weeks hmm. go by. And there's also a beginner section. So if you are a beginner, then um, there'll be a little bit more detail on how to do the movement. So I think it's a it's a really good app for if you're a beginner or if you're more advanced, you can get a lot of it. And it's nice because you can up the weight. So if you're a guy, I mean, her target market is definitely more, I would say 25 to 35 year old female. But if you're a guy, you can totally use it. You just use heavier dumbbells, heavier kettlebells, heavier barbell, and you'll get a lot out of it. Hmm. Yeah, I, I've tried some different yoga apps, and it made me that I haven't stuck with. And it, I wonder if it is the lack of um, kind of like community and also um, structure and human element. Because a lot of it was just like a, a picture of a person moving into different poses and mm-hmm. wasn't like an actual course. Mm -hmm. And, um, I guess for me, I've never really been able to stick with something that didn't have that personal element and the social aspect. But, um, but you're saying you do think that's possible to get through an app? I think that's definitely possible. And the other app that I really like for that, when you say the word course, uh, Cody app is fantastic for that. So Cody app, Mm. they do strength training, gymnastics training, yoga training, and it's a lot more course structured. Um, there is a famous Instagram yogi, uh, Dylan Werner, who just does phenomenal arm balancing sequences. And he will teach you, he'll do a beginner sequence, how to build that strength and mobility to do beginner, you know, to build up, um, to do the, the harder yoga poses. So he has different courses like a, you know, introductory, a beginner, intermediate, advanced. So you can take a course one at a time and he'll also provide a structure of how many times you should do it a week, a recommendation for that. So I think Cody app is really good if you just want to do a course in something or master something. Hmm. I think that's, that's really good. Yeah. Um, I mean, this, this kind of ties into what you've already said, but do your app recommendations for your clients change depending on their fitness goals and like how would they change? It definitely, it definitely will be a little different depending on their fitness goals. Um, I think that some people just want to move. Some people want conditioning. Some people want strength training. In my opinion, everybody should do strength training, but you know, not everybody likes strength training. Um, I think that it will, it will be a little different depending on, on what you want to achieve. Yeah. I know a lot of people are really into step counting. That's something that I I've started to get kind of addicted to. Cause it's just interesting to see what you've done in that day. A lot of times I'm depressed by how little <laughs> I, how many little steps I got in. But if someone's just really into step counting, is that enough? If they're hitting, what is it like 10,000 steps a day is considered a good recommendation. Mm -hmm. So if someone's doing that, are they healthy and fit or is that not enough? Um, I don't know if you're going to like my answer. (laughs) Can we handle the truth? (laughs) I think it's a good start. Let's say it that way. I think it's a good start. I think that we have to come to terms with just how sedentary our lifestyle is um, and really face the honest truth of that. I think that the amount of sitting that we do is really unhealthy And to counterbalance that, we need more than just walking. You know, we need to take the joints into different ranges of motion. Otherwise, your body just, you know, spends so so many hours in the mold of sitting that just standing up and walking is not really going to counterbalance that and, you know, maintain your joint health through Mm -hmm. through aging. So, um, yeah, it's a great start. And walking is 
is the first thing that you should do and that everybody even if you you know even if you go to the gym for an hour and every day and do hardcore strength training i would say that is enough either you know you have to walk and do a variety of exercise and do a variety of just general movement Mm. um i i have this little game that i play with myself where you know we're extremely right-handed or if you're single-handed in our um, in our lifestyles and so I would go through little phases of trying to use my left hand if you think about using your right hand for every time you reach for something every time you pick something up even every time you write there's a slight twist towards the left and vice versa if you're left-handed so your body is constantly kind of twisting in this way so we have to think of moving as repetitive motion so we're repetitively moving in one particular way or in a few particular ways and what we need is more variety in the way that we move so Mm. i like to play games with myself also something you can maybe do with your kids play games with your kids and just try and balance that out you know try to use your left hand to pick stuff up try to use your left hand to you know smear something or take care of something instead of the right or your dominant hand always being the one that you just naturally just go for all the time. Yeah. That's interesting. That's something I t- never think of, but it, I always use my right hand for everything. What about Yeah, well, you? I'm left-handed, but um, I do, I mean, I'm left-handed in a right-handed world, so I do maybe use my right hand more than right-handed people use their left hand, but I'd still have to really, like, pay attention and see how balanced it is in terms of how much I'm using it. I must say, I've noticed with left-handed people, they use, there's a better balance than with right-handed people. I don't know why exactly that is. Maybe it's because our world is so set up for right-handedness, <laughs> you know, but yeah. Um, so I think I'm understanding with step, step counting, what you're saying is it's not enough really to, you're moving your body only in one way, first mm-hmm. of all, and you're also not getting that strength training. But like, what what are the benefits of just walking? Is it like weight loss? You're burning a certain amount of calories, or like bone strength? I, I'm not totally clear. And I, I think that the big benefit of walking is spending time outside. Um, walking will also settle down the nervous system, so it's mm. really good for relieving stress and for the body to function optimally you need the nervous system to settle down. When the nervous system settles down, what we call down regulation or parasympathetic nervous system is activated, um, then that's when you are rest and digesting. That's when your body is recovering. That's when your body can deal with whatever tasks it needs to deal with. But if you're in a upregulated or stressed state all the time, your body can't deal with these processes. So it can't provide healing and the good thing about walking is that it's really calming to the nervous system so it really soothes um, and I think that that's where you can then your metabolism can be more more optimal the metabolism is definitely not optimal in the stress state so it's good for your mind it's good for your body um, that range of motion people also don't think about just how much work it is to walk like it seems like oh it's like the easiest thing you can do yes it's the easiest thing you can do but mm-hmm. every time you give a step you're balancing your entire body weight on one leg and that strength comes from your hips it comes from your glute muscles so you are strengthening your hips you're strengthening those glute muscles you're stabilizing the leg so it's it's a lot of balancing and it's a lot of strength work in a very very subtle way so i think that 
long distance is good and also mixing up the distances so you don't want to once again do anything repetitively mix it up today i'm going to do a short walk tomorrow i do an extra long walk Hmm. you know like then i do a medium walk then maybe the other day i don't walk at all um i really follow katie bowman she's a biomechanist um i love all her work and all her writings and she says if you think about it in terms of you know, cavemen or many, many centuries ago, we wouldn't walk the same distance every day. You know, some days we would do longer distances, some days short distances, maybe a week of short distances, maybe a week of longer distances. Mm-hmm. So all this variety is really the key in movement variety. So exposing the body to variety all the time. Also the terrain that you walk on, walking on grass, walking on gravel. When you walk on gravel, for instance, you have 25% of the bones that you have in your body, they're in your feet. So all these little bones, they're, wow. they're, <laughs> they're, they go into little joints. So there you have all these joints in your feet. So if you, once again, we walk on flat surfaces repetitively, that's once again a repetitive motion that we do. So we want to alternate that. We want, you know, when you walk on the gravel, all those small little bones in your feet get to articulate and move in different ways. So you are mobilizing those little joints in your feet. So also incline or decline or, you know, all kinds of variety of surfaces. And that's how you can make your walking exciting too, you know. In Iowa, the incline is hard to find. It's pretty flat here. Yeah. <laughs> but um, So you mentioned Katie Bowman. Is there a way that uh, our listeners can use their devices to learn more about what she has to teach? So this is what I use my device for the most in terms of fitness is fitness education. I love listening to podcasts. I love listening to Audible. And Katie Bowman, she actually um, releases her books on Audible so that you can listen to them while you walk. So I think that's a really cool thing. And in her book, Move Your DNA, which has just a mountain of information and I will guarantee will blow your mind. (laughs) Um, She actually... in the chapter, she'll tell you how far you would have walked by that chapter. So she gives you like little marks. Um, and I think that that's really cool. So she definitely recommends walking mm-hmm. and listening. You know, we have to take responsibility for our own health. And it is quite scary when we realize how little we know about the bodies that we live in. Live in. So I think that educating yourself and learning about their body and learning how to take care of it properly um, is a really good thing. Definitely. Um, which brings me to calorie tracking. <laughs> I hate calorie <laughs> tracking. Yeah, I had to pause and think about how to approach this one. I know it's probably a good thing to do, but is there a way to do it that's not completely uh, soul-crushing? I think as I've heard you <laughs> describe it. And really unhealthy. I feel like you could get yeah. too obsessed about it. Yeah. That's, I feel like every time I track calories, like I'm developing an eating disorder. I yeah. know, yeah. I totally agree. And so I was a fashion model for seven years, and that's all I did was count my calories, and I was on <laughs> a permanent diet. And so when I stopped that you know chapter of my life, I promised myself that I will not count calories ever again and I'll allow myself to eat whatever I want. So um, I, tr- I truly understand. Um, and I've, even with my clients, I try to help them to rather just get in touch with themselves and with their bodies and learn to listen to their bodies and then be guided through the body's needs because the body always wants to be healthy. It always wants to be balanced. That's the natural state. So the more self-aware you become, um, the less you need some external thing to follow and you can just follow that internal that internal intelligence 
And, um, but I must admit that the app that I have found, My Fitness Pal, is really, really good and fun for counting calories. Yes, I use the word fun. <laughs> and free, um, right? Yeah, yeah, it's free. There is a premium option. Unlike um, Weight Watchers. I, you, you don't need the premium option. But I just really liked it because of the pie charts showing you your macronutrient intake um, uh, proportions. So macronutrients would be carbohydrates, fats, proteins. Um, And then you can see, oh, like what percentage of my calories come from carbohydrates or fats or protein? And then it gives you a recommended percentage as well. So you can kind of, you know, it's like, oh, I ate a lot of carbs today. I'm really low on my protein for the day. So tonight I should have a little bit more of a higher protein meal. And I thought that that focus was very different from trying to exclude food out of your diet and was more about what you needed to include in your diet. So it also will will, um, count your micronutrients. Micronutrients Mm -hmm. would be vitamins and minerals. And we'll tell you, oh, you're low in iron today. You're low in potassium today. So you'll be like, oh, what can I eat today that's going to up my potassium, that's going to up my iron? So that really is is psychologically so much more empowering, feeling like what should I eat and then focusing on eating healthy, good foods instead of focusing so much on what not to eat and what to stay away away from. And then another really good thing about it is that it will expose little things in your diet like um if you have something specific that you really like to eat all the time, like you put pesto on everything that you eat. That and seems like a completely logical thing to do. Also. <laughs> pesto is amazing. Pesto is amazing. And then you realize, oh my goodness, like the pesto, like one tablespoon of pesto is going to be my daily fit, fat intake in one go, or it's going to take right. up 25% of my calories for the, or whatever, you know, I'm just making up things. But um, sometimes just having, seeing that and you're like, okay, I can do a little better with how I how I divide up my calories so I really liked it for that and I think that it's more about you know you can be thin you can lose weight but that doesn't mean you're healthy and I think the focus is more about health and balance and getting everything that your body needs to function optimally so when you mentioned at the beginning of this question that with your clients you you encourage them to get to know their bodies does that mean that maybe calorie tracking doesn't need to be part of your fitness regimen Maybe it's something you could just do for a little while to educate yourself, like get some concept of what you're eating and how many calories and identify patterns. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But like, do you think that calorie tracking needs to be part of your fitness routine? I think that's absolutely spot on that it's a good way just to check in and see where you're at and maybe twice a year do that for a month and check in and see where you're at. Um, And I, I don't think that calorie tracking absolutely has to be part of your diet. I, I think that, you know, we all have different body shapes and we're all optimal at different sizes and Mm -hmm. there's definitely not one size. I don't think that everybody should be supermodel size. I really don't believe that. I think that you should be the size where you can comfortably, comfortably maintain that with how you, the natural likes in your diet, your natural movement. I think you have to get to an optimal weight. So where you're really healthy and really feel good energy levels all through the day. Um, but I think that you should find what that optimal means to you. And that's Mm -hmm. what you should strive for. And then I think is that's really the empowerment where we stop to try and conform to like one one little box or size or style of body that that you know the media or socialized you know has been like put into us that 
but just find where we are and who we are. And that's again, connecting with yourself and finding the joy and the happiness in that and being the comfort in that and um, the confidence in that. So I don't think that calorie counting should be part of your diet necessarily. I think that more, the most important thing is really being in touch with your body, really being in touch with your body's needs, really respecting your body's yeses and nos of what it wants and doesn't want. And the stronger that relationship is, the healthier and definitely the happier you will be. Um, calorie counting for a short period of time or tracking your macro and micronutrients for a short period of time um, can be really beneficial just to give you some guidelines. And also then you have people who just love calorie counting. I mean, I don't, I, I really don't understand. <laughs> who are those people? Yeah, really. <laughs> I definitely have a few clients that just blow my mind. They just, they just absolutely love tracking it they will track it every day forever they're so good about it and that it w really works for them so if you're that mm -hmm. kind of person too like by all means do it you know if you feel good tracking your calories and fasting on a sunday like whatever works for you but that's what it's about learning what works for you and not just blindly following an outside formula this yeah, is to me that's my big concern about tracking is I feel like it's so easy to get all this information that you, I feel like there's a danger of focusing so much on all these things. Sometimes things are even tracked without you being aware, like, cause you know, I wear my Apple watch, so all mm -hmm. sorts of things get tracked and I don't do anything. And I feel like it could be so easy to get way too focused on those results, those, that information, instead of paying attention to how I actually mm -hmm. feel. Mm -hmm. So I think it's the balance between two, you know, like using, using the technology to, you know, to as much as is comfortable for your personal needs and your personal likes, um, and then never letting go of the, you know, self reflecting and self connecting. That's definitely the most important part. Yeah. That sounds manageable. I like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so do you have any fitness gear? anything from like headphones or fitness bracelets that you think are worth investing in? I'm not a super, super <laughs> tech girl. I'm That's more fine. A, I'm more a barefoot, down and dirty girl. So, um, but I, I, a lot of my clients really like their Fitbits. I've never used the Apple Watch, so it would be hard for me to recommend it. What I really like is I'm a terrible sleeper. So I usually like, um, gear that will track my sleeping so mm -hmm. I really like to see what's going on with that and when it's better and what I can do during the day to improve how I sleep and then being able to have tangible you know data that I can look at to see how it's affected my sleep or whatever I've added or taken away has affected my sleep so I, I tend to like those um, I do use a Fitbit myself occasionally I started using that so that I could connect um, through the Fitbit community aspect with my clients on the days that I didn't see them and didn't have them with me. And that way they felt that I was still a part of their fitness, even on the days that they weren't in the gym. So mm. I, I used it for that and I really liked it. And, um, I did a few challenges, you know, in the community as well. And I thought that that was really fun. I definitely had a few nights at 10 where I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm, I'm like 500 steps behind this guy. I'm totally going to go out right now and do another 500 steps, you know? So glad I'm not the only person who's done things like that. Yeah, no, Janet, a, a lady who worked with us, I, 
she said she would do the same thing. She would like walk laps around her house at like right before bed. She's like, God, if I can catch my goals. Yeah. It's so but, bad when you're just a few hundred behind your goal. Yeah. But you're also tired and want to go to sleep. And... Yeah. Well, That's kind of one yeah. of those examples of is it where you have to connect back to yourself, I guess, because you're like, is it better for me to get this sleep right now yeah. or hit my goal, you know? <laughs> But, um, walking in the evening is very good for you though and it's actually good for improving your sleep like um, really it really helps to state your circadian rhythms walking in the dark you know it's so beautiful at night walking under the mm-hmm. stars really helps the nervous system to settle down too so maybe it's not so bad to get those extra 300 steps right before bed well yeah I mean I walk every night before bed anyway because I have dogs, dogs mm-hmm. me too. so if I get back I mean I try and if I've tried to actually just start checking my steps like when I'm walking and mm-hmm. then just continue the walk for a few hundred steps because mm-hmm. once I get back, I don't want to go back out again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, do you have any thoughts on how people can stay committed if they are choosing to use their iPhones instead of a fitness coach as their, mm-hmm. as their fitness main to fitness uh, tool, I guess? I think that there's actually real value in things like Instagram. Um, hmm. I know that there are a lot of people who just go to the gym and then pose in front of the mirrors and, you know, <laughs> post pictures and that's not so great, but I have definitely, you know, I do CrossFit and I have definitely been on my bed before and scrolled on my Instagram feed and have seen some girl doing some really cool Olympic lifting or, or strength work and felt totally inspired and pumped by it. Um, mm-hmm. or cute outfits you know I, I I love online shopping I'm all for wearing <laughs> cute workout outfits I'm a fabletics master so they send me lots of fun stuff and you know I think what is that, that could you tell us what a fabletics master is um so fabletics is a sportswear company started um, co-founded by Kate Hudson they're based out in Los Angeles and they have monthly memberships and they, mm-hmm. they approached me and asked me to be a Fabletics master, which means that I'm part of their fitness crew that contribute to their blogs and model some of their gear. And I do events mm-hmm. for them. So I'll have events in my com- community that they will sponsor and they'll send my clients little freebies and things like that. So I like, cool. I like getting fun stuff in the posts from them. I like getting colorful prints and having fun with it. Um, I think it, it helps. Yeah. So, so you're saying you can, you, you can get inspiration from Instagram. Yeah. You can, what else? I mean, maybe having a set routine would help or yeah, how so, can you stay committed? Um, yeah. So the Instagram I would say is, is something that I actually really enjoy and I, and I try and find people that actually inspire me. So something that I find inspiring, somebody who's maybe achieved some of the goals that I'm hoping to achieve. Um, I f- feel that the quotes are like little mantras you can use and I really like that, the fitness quotes. Mm-hmm. Um, then following, I follow a fitness blog called Misfit Athletics. And they do CrossFit programming, CrossFit style programming. And they post workouts every day. And then you can comment your scores for your workout um, in the comment section. So you can see what other people got, times they got for their workouts. You know, oftentimes in CrossFit we do conditioning pieces for time, weights they did. So there's once again this community aspect where every day you can follow the workout and you can post and you can see what other people did. And it, it's, you know, it's a little motivation to you to do really well because you're going to put your scores up there publicly. Um, and then, um, like you said, absolutely scheduling 
um, scheduling things is it's absolutely essential just like you would with a personal trainer if you say this day this time and you make that a priority and if anybody asks you to go for coffee or a drink or lunch or you have some other commitment come up you just say no I already have a commitment so make that commitment to yourself often when we work mm-hmm. out alone we don't make that commitment and then it just slips and slides away you know so scheduling it in your in your week is really really important and I always say to people just be do do less than you think you can do that is a great way to maintain a routine so if you think oh I can work out five times a week to start why don't you work out twice a week to start like that's really doable make it something that's really doable that feels totally comfortable that you feel you have no excuse not to make and Mm -hmm. then from there grow so um you know, they often say like overshoot. I'm the opposite. I'm always like undershoot. So, <laughs> um, I've, even for my own workouts, often I don't feel like doing my workout, but I give myself permission and just feel, say to myself, I, think I can go really easy today or I'll only do a little bit. I'll do like 12 minutes or 20 minutes. Um, I'll do something at least. And I feel like I've done something. And then usually once I get started, I, the endorphins start kicking in and I'm have such a good time. And then I just end up doing more, but taking that pressure off myself saying that I have Mm. to do this much and I have to go this hard and, you know, putting all this pressure on myself. I feel like that usually makes me just want to give up. So I just, you know, set really small goals for myself and just moving. That's the most important part. So as long as I'm set some time in your daily routine that this is my hour that I'm going to do some movement. Maybe it's going to be walking, maybe it's going to be jogging, combination of the both. Maybe I'm going to stop along the way and do some push-ups against benches or step-ups or little jumps onto the bench or dips or, you know, or maybe I'm going to go to the gym or maybe I'm going to follow a routine on Kodi app or, you know, something like that. I I usually like to check in with myself on Sundays. So usually I take Sundays, I sit down with my diary, I look at what my week schedule looks like, I schedule things in, I kind of recycle myself. I like Mm -hmm. to have a whiteboard as well in my office and I write my goals down, like I'm going to drink my lemon water or I'm going to meditate in the morning or, you know, I'm going to go to bed at 9.30 and I just every week just try and set a few goals that I can write on my whiteboard and that I can see during the week and just you know, remind something to remind myself. And then the next Sunday I recheck, maybe I didn't do all of that, but surely I did some of that. Yeah. Wow. This has been really enlightening. I feel like I could talk to you for so much longer, but I think we've run out of time. Thank you so much for joining us. This has been really great. Yeah. I'm feeling inspired for my own workouts. Thank you for having me. And that concludes episode 39 of the iPhone life podcast. Don't forget to sign up for daily tips at iphonelife.com slash daily tips. And if you enjoy listening to us, please share with your friends and rate our show. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks.